Hey guys, welcome back to the Far Better Podcast. I am your host, Michael Clark, and today we are continuing our series of God's Way. I made a little bit of an error. I don't know how I made this mistake, but apparently I had told you for the next six weeks, about three weeks ago, that we were going to be talking about God's Way is weird. Well, that's that's wrong for, for two reasons. One, I don't have six lessons on God's Way being weird. I just had one that I spanned over three weeks. And two... Uh, apparently the second lesson that we're talking about today is only a two-parter. So we're going to talk this week and next week about God's way works. And so more appropriately, I should have named this series God's way, not God's way is weird. As we talk today about God's way working, I want to ask the question, why? Why does God's way work? And let's point this out. If I were to ask you, what's the best way to get home from here? You might say, who's home? Mine or yours? I mean, there's a lot of different ways you could probably take a route to get to your specific house versus my specific house, right? But if I ask you, how do you put gas in a car? There's only one way that that works. I mean, you could, you could try it different ways. You could pour gas on the engine. Uh, you could uh, pour gas around on the tires. You could pour it all over the back of the trunk. You, you could do a multitude of different ways to try to get that gas into your vehicle, but only one way will actually benefit the car itself. You know, God's way truly does work. Despite what the world thinks, it still works. You know, you're going to hear at times that it doesn't work from your family, your friends, professors. But the only way to get to heaven is not your friend's way, not your family's way, not the professor's way. It's it's God's way. So let's look at two things today as we ask that question of why does God's way work? Number one, let's think about those who did not follow versus those who did. For example, you and I know without a shadow of a doubt Adam and Eve did not follow God's path. They ate of the fruit of that tree that they were told expressly not to eat, Genesis 3, 1 through 6. And from that point forward, we see a problem of people essentially making the statement with their way that they were living that God's way doesn't matter and that God's way doesn't work. The Israelites as a whole would be often found among this belief and opinion In Judges 21-25, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. What about the prophet Jonah? He didn't do what God said either. God says, hey, I want you to go to Nineveh. And Jonah said, I'm going to go to Tarshish. I'm not going to go to Nineveh. I'm going to try to go down to Joppa, and I'm going to find a ship that's going as far away from Nineveh as possible. That's not doing things God's way. What about Simon Peter? In Matthew 14, 28-30, God said, hey, you can come out onto the water. But he didn't do it God's way. And what I mean by that is not that Peter didn't start off doing it the right way. He did start off doing it the way that God told him to do it. But he didn't finish doing it that way. Peter, if you had it to do over again, wouldn't you start and finish doing it God's way? What about those who did? 
you think probably best example that I've always thought about is Joseph, for example. In Genesis 39, 8 and 9, after Potiphar's wife has continually thrown herself in front of Joseph and said, hey, no one will know if we have a relationship. Joseph responds by refusing and saying to her, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he's committed all that he has to my hand. There's no one greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you're his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph said to Potiphar's wife, and by the way, I've, I've often pointed this out, and I think it's not the first time I pointed it out on this podcast. Hey, Potiphar, what's your wife's name? We're never told. I've always thought that was interesting, that she's always spoken of in the possessive sense. And Joseph says to her, I'm not doing this great wickedness and sinning against God. I won't do it. What about the Apostle Paul? Paul didn't start off doing things God's way by any means, but in Acts chapter 9 and verse 6, he's trembling and astonished, and he says, Lord, tell me what your way is. What do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. Paul was ready and willing, ready and willing to do things God's way. And he did. And what a blessing that he did. But about seven chapters before that, there were a group of Christians, the first century Christians, who did things God's way as well in Acts 2, 42 through 47. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, And the Lord added to the church, what? Daily. Those who were being saved. Those are people who did not, Adam and Eve, the Israelites, Jonah, Simon, Peter, and those who did, Joseph, Paul, the first century Christians. But that brings us to that question we asked at the very beginning of this episode. Why does God's way work? Well, it works because it's different from everyone else's plan. How many people today are considered religious? It's a lot. A lot of people today would be considered what we would call spiritually minded people. Will those people make it to heaven? I mean, in Matthew 7, 21, we're told it's not just the religious that make it, not just people who know that God exists or even call him by name. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. These religious people, they've lived their whole lives, their whole lives thinking that they had been doing it the way that God intended. But remember, normal people call the Lord by name. Weird people wear the Lord's name. It's their identity. It's who we are. But number two, it works because he is holy. 
I know God demands holiness, Leviticus 20, 25, and 26. You'll therefore distinguish between clean animals and unclean, between unclean birds and clean. You not make yourselves abominable by beast, bird, any kind of living thing that creeps on the ground, which I've separated from you as unclean, and you'll be holy to me for why? Well, I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. God wants us to be clean because he is clean. That's part of being holy. God could not have orchestrated a plan to purify mankind if he himself was not first pure. It works because he's holy. Number three, it works because he's disciplined. You know, without discipline, we can't reach any further goal. Did it not take discipline to send Jesus to this earth? It would have been a lot easier to just say, these people are not at all what I wanted, let's just pull the plug. And had God not stuck to the plan, you and I wouldn't have hope. How do I know this? Well, Luke 22, 41 through 45 tells me, he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. He knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is whose will, God, if this is your way, take the cup from me. Nevertheless, not my way, God, but yours be done. So if there's a way, God, for your path to be accepted and to be altered, let's do it. Even though it was difficult, and even though in that moment, I have to believe from what we know about God that God didn't intend nor enjoy for Jesus to just suffer because that's the only way that God wanted it to be. It was the only way we could have redemption. God could have picked any way. Why would God pick the one way that required his son to die? Because it's the only way that works. Number four, it works because God created the whole universe. We know he created it, Genesis 1, 1 through 5, but there's something important here. God divided the light from the darkness. Can you and I do that? Well, no. What this verse is essentially saying is God set the way that the day and night would work. It was done his way. God's way works because he created the whole universe the very ground that you and I walk on, the very seat you might be sitting in, the house that you're in, the car you drive, whatever it is, God created the materials and the place that we call home. He created you, Psalm 139. Number five, it works because the devil is the only other choice and he's a failure. We either follow the path that leads to heaven or we end up on a path to destruction. Matthew 7, 13 through 14. You know, you enter by that narrow gate. Wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction. There's many that go by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. Either you and I go down that path of righteousness that is a struggle path and it's not the easiest or... We take an easy path. Many go down that one, but it leads to destruction. What about that narrow gate? You know, those people having a difficult path will make it into an eternity in heaven. 
because God's way works. All other paths fail. They fail. God's way works. Next week, we're going to look at some text takeaways from what we've talked about today, giving some mindset, some other things that we need to be considering. We're going to look at four things next week that we need to be asking ourselves, making sure that we are doing what God requires of us. But until next week, why don't we live like God's way? Pleasing Him now so our eternity can be far better.